Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we're going to talk about the 2007 movie Meet the Robinsons. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a six-year-old boy. <laughs> He's wow. like six months into that, and I'm already forgetting it. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Just, you know. It's fine. Don't ask me how old I am because I'd actually no, have to get out like, like pen calculators and, paper. and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am Briar Harvey and I am the mom of kids. Man, they're what? Four? You're still upstairs. I can hear the pitiful little my mommy left me sniffles. Four. Four. I, then there's ten. And then the adult who. None of them wanted to watch this movie, if I'm being honest. Oh, really? So, we had definitely watched this movie before, and I didn't even, like, I didn't even try, because he's been so not interested in anything we've watched lately. So I just put it on, and he walked in, and he's like, I love this movie! And he sat down and watched the whole movie. And then I rewatched it today, and I, he was like, I don't want to watch this movie. And then he sat down and watched the whole movie again. <laughs> like, what? I have no idea. I don't know. So I think I think four would have liked it fine if we had gotten to it earlier in the evening. But mm-hmm. it's summer, so like we're eating a little later in the evening mm-hmm. and by the time we are done with dinner, he is usually about done. Done. Yeah. Like done. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter that there's snacks. Mm-hmm. He wants to go to bed. Yeah. So that's that's just kind of where we're at right now, and it's fine. But then we go to bed, and it's still light out, and so he's still awake for forty five mm-hmm. minutes, while I'm sitting there going, "Do I ever get to leave or have a life <laughs> of my own outside?" And this is why this is why I only work thirty hours a week. Although it's almost July, summer hours. I'm 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 just about ready to be working the. Tim Ferriss, infamous four-hour work week. Very excited about it. Okay. So, this movie is a trip, y'all. I... So, right. It's got a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think this might be a first for us on, like, a movie that we're not just doing for, like, knowing that it's terrible. But this right. movie was not nominated for an Academy Award that year. Not at all. Not even nominated. Can you think of another movie we've done that wasn't nominated for nope. an Academy Award? No, me neither. So that year it was Ratatouille, Persepolis, and Surf's Up, and Ratatouille won. Persepolis, I believe. Perse- yeah, sorry, you're right. I, and I know, I, you know, I've watched the movie. I've also read the book. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And, and I feel like it's worth, like, in my mind, Surf's Up was almost as terrible as happy feet. I just get them confused because they're both penguins. They're both they? penguins. But I yeah. but I, I still think it was bad. And yeah. the fact that it was nominated ahead of this movie yeah, is really right? Wow. Right. Wow. Okay, so yeah. Um this is the forty seventh Disney animated film. Um it falls between Chicken Little and Bolt. I needed to tell you the like see, like the series of movies before and after this because this was a dark time for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, y'all! We're gonna we're, we're gonna tell you all about it, but this is this is a dark. 
right. time. So okay. the list of movies surrounding this, it goes Lilo and Stitch, which I think did well. Um, and then we have Treasure Planet, Atlantis, Brother Bear, Home on the Range, Chicken Little, this movie, Bolt, and then Princess and the Frog. So by the time this episode comes out, my I didn't even I haven't even told you about this. So after we recorded Treasure Planet, I ended up writing I'm not even kidding here. It is thirty four hundred words of the story of that movie's production schedule. Because uh-huh. it really it it, it hooked. It uh-huh. hooked. It sunk in. <laughs> and and this movie, I, while like I didn't include this because I was writing about the history of this time, uh-huh. man, I feel badly for this movie. Kind of sucks. It really, it does. It kind of sucks. But I feel right. terrible for the animators. I feel like, like so. I didn't look into the production of this movie in particular, but I feel like at that point in time. Disney didn't want its animation department to succeed. No, it didn't. Like, it didn't. You, you have to, like, movies don't just get nominated for an Academy Award out of nowhere. They have to be, like, petitioned to be nominated Correct. for an Academy Award. So the fact that this movie wasn't nominated for an Academy Award probably means that Disney did not try to get this movie nominated for an Academy Award, if I had to guess. I would, I would guess that was correct. I would guess that. I would guess that was correct. They didn't. And we have Ratatouille. We put the effort into Ratatouille. But that was still Pixar at that point, right? Because it would have been two thousand seven. So right. So that would have been when, man. So I did. I wrote about this at great length. What we'll say about this film in particular is that the animators that were left, <laughs> and there weren't many of them, they had been kicking them out the door for about 10 years prior to the making of this film. Mm-hmm. And the animators that were left were on unfamiliar equipment that they didn't really know or understand. They were siloed off in, I mean, they built the they built the new building, right? The studio at Burbank. But at the time, everybody had like weird individual offices, and the the net effect of it was that everybody was very siloed. There wasn't communal work, or and that's important on something that takes seven fucking years to make. You need to be able to sit with the team, bounce ideas off of each other, and none of that was happening. They had abandoned the traditional animators entirely by this point, and had kind of brought them back for Princess and the Frog, but that was that was that was still computer animated and it was only the directors that they brought Clements and Musker that they brought back for that mm-hmm. not the original staff so we're down to a skeleton crew and it's a dark time to be a disney animator mm-hmm. and boy they sure told you how they were feeling didn't they <laughs> yeah yeah so 
as far as like the visual style of this movie goes, um, this the story is adapted from A Day with Wilbur Robinson by William Joyce. And then the movie Robots is also right. adapted from a William Joyce story. And at one point they wanted to get Joyce to be part of the production here stylistically. And then they backed out of that because he was working on robots, which was under Blue Sky Studios. So the style was slightly reworked. But I'm going to say, I mean, that's a very slight because I was watching this movie and the robot character looks like he stepped right out of the robots movie. Like if you could put him in the robots movie and he wouldn't look out of place. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I agree generally the story could have used a, a tune-up, I think. Mm-hmm. And probably just in the adaptation, because I've not read, I mean, I'm sure A Day with Wilbur Robinson by William Joyce is probably solid as, as, a, as a story. Mm-hmm. And what was missing here were some of the the finer details that allow a story to actually tell and not mm-hmm. right they mm-hmm. did a lot of beating you over the head with this one right which disney does not generally do disney generally assumes the intellect of its audience right this one does not it just does not feel like a disney movie in any way mm-hmm. shape or form it doesn't look like a Disney movie. The story doesn't feel like a Disney movie. It just does not feel like a Disney movie. No. And the only reason I'm going to argue that this movie exists is because they had to give the animators that were left something to do. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I want to say that there was more of a production element, but there, there really, there wasn't. Just this... knowing that Chicken Little preceded this and Bolt followed this, hey, it's got to be. It had to be some dark days in Disney animation. <laughs> I don't think anybody was enjoying themselves at that time. You can't, it's not reflected in the, the movies that no. were produced. No. So, by, I mean, it, this came out in 2007, so in 2000, right around in 2000 was, I think, when Eisner got forced out. And then... They were restructuring for the next five years or so. Right. It takes a while for that stuff to shake out because you've got so many things already in the pipeline that you can't just put an end to. No. That, like, a person's influence is going to continue for, you know. So what we're seeing, though, is that even though Eisner and Katzenberg were gone, Mm -hmm. this is... This, right here, <laughs> is their legacy. <laughs> right, that's it. That's I think that's precisely it. It is. It's so he was little... the... Yeah. Eisner was CEO until 2005. 
2005. From 84 yeah. to 2005. Sorry. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, this is when they finally got their hooks into everything. This was the fallout from it, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Because it takes time to make a movie. And, and you can't just say, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But when, so in 2005 then, then, um, John, what the hell is his name? Pixar. Uh, there was his name. What was his name? Lassiter. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Lassiter took over the studio after Eisner was forced out, and he brought back uh, the guys who did Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. So, so that happened right in 2004 and 5. But this movie was, I guess, still going. Something that I think is really, really interesting is how bad the Michael Eisner period was for Disney compared to how good the Bob Iger period has been for Disney as his like that was the that he came over right he was right. immediately following him right. it's like i it's so different it's so different like it disney is. is a literal powerhouse now uh, like they've they're everything it's like it's like he <laughs> wanted to drive it into the yes. And not just animation, but Disney no, as a whole. He drew Disney. the parks into the ground. He just tanked it all. He, he did. Like, I want to say deliberately. I Surely not, but damn. Like, they took, they took credit for the golden age of, you know, the Disney renaissance. Mm-hmm. But it, they weren't responsible for it. And get this under since so under Iger's leadership, he left in twenty twenty. Um, he's still kind of helping with things though, just because he left like right in the beginning of the pandemic. So like right. he kind of was like, I'm gonna stick around. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Disney's market capitalization went from forty eight billion. To two hundred and fifty-seven billion. You know that's, that's bananas. That is bananas. And it's so this movie. So I'm going to be honest. This movie, knowing what I know about the history and what was going on behind the scenes, actually did make me cry mm-hmm. in a couple of spots. Like mm-hmm. not not because not because it was. The story that was actually there. Mm -hmm. It was the subtext of the Mm -hmm. story that I knew that was making me cry. But that quote at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Just keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. um, I think you're right. I think in order for this movie to hit you, like, emotionally, you have to be putting your own emotions into this movie and your own Uh read on the situation, for sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is this is this is a zero tears involved kind of film. Yeah. Because it's so it's not particularly well 
done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I feel bad for it because, like, but like, it's like a chick that fell out of the nest too soon. Yeah. And and you're just watching it there, kind of struggle. Like, I I know this could have been better. I didn't dislike this movie like I dislike Bolt or Happy Feet. No. No. I no. I don't but like physically cringe when I think about this movie. No, it could have been better though. It could have been it, Oh yeah, definitely it could have been better. <laughs> could have for sure been better. <laughs> because the bones again, the bones of the story are there and I do like you know as someone with family troubles, these ones always hit me mm-hmm. in a place, right? I know they do for you too. Mm-hmm. The, the ability to choose one's family, mm-hmm. that's that's a significant thing. And it's a story that Disney has told a lot multiple mm-hmm. times because it's important. Right. I mean, it and, goes along with the Disney parents are always dead trope, right? Right. They're not here. We could have. They may as well have been. But they like. May as- but 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 then we get to choose a family, right? right. Yeah, and, and I mean the whole the whole going back to see who his mom is is I think important to driving the plot because there's the motivation's not there if he's not doing that. No, no, and I think that is the plot effect, and I I think that part probably was transferred over. I'm guessing from the original know. story. Well. That that part feels yeah. like they got they they nailed that part. What they didn't get right was I think the villain mm-hmm. is just Goob is tragic, mm-hmm. and they don't quite get that. Mm-hmm. He's just stupid. Mm-hmm. worthy of contempt and that is had had they gotten Goob a little yeah. bit better I think this movie really would have felt much clearer to me yeah. like even even when you know who he is even rewatching, like even understanding that there's this I, I like timey-wimey stuff usually Right. Yeah. I mean, every time you want, I have yet to, like, come across something timey-wimey that doesn't have some kind of, like, issue right. <laughs> in, like, the science of timey-wimeyness. Oh, we, we're not. <laughs> but we this throw one. the science straight out. And, and that's <laughs> actually one of the things that they did well, I thought. Unlike Treasure Planet, where we did part of the science but not all of the science and so i was really like wait where what science here there the science was all questionable so i was totally willing to make that oh gotcha okay yeah i see what you're saying okay all right the 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 seven days of caffeine patches (laughs) and the the the, the the volcano's contact switch, like it was just deliberately. Oh yeah, it needs to be fantastical. Science, mm-hmm. like you could. 
I, I'm willing to make the leap into the fantastical if you tell me right away. This there's is nothing. Not, there's yeah. nothing for you here. <laughs> like, and 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 I don't. But I know this to be true for people with scientific backgrounds too. Like, I know enough to be dangerous here, mm-hmm. but I know enough, and yeah. I want. I want the fantasy. I'm great mm-hmm. with the fantasy. We talked yeah. last time, I think, about how we're missing good fantasy these right. days. And this this movie does actually qualify mm-hmm. as good fantasy. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk more about the visual style in this movie? Because I do. Yeah, let's do it. Because the people, so the people are the same people relatively. When did um, The Incredibles come out? That's 2011, right? Is it? I thought it was earlier than that. Is it earlier than that? I think we've had this conversation. It's 2004. Okay, it's 2004. So this is after. We're still in that uncanny valley yeah. of human, though. Mm-hmm. But I think what they did with, like, the styling of the humans kind of, like, went more to, like, the same kind of idea as what they did with the Incredibles. They didn't try to make, like, realistically proportioned human beings, and that's what you needed to do at this time and point, because, like, mm-hmm. you, they weren't going to look real. They weren't going to look right. And the more not right they look... Mm-hmm easier on the eye than it yeah. is. This actually does it, I would say, just a little bit better than I think so. Like I think so. The heads were big enough and mm-hmm. the bodies the bodies were almost as bad as the robots in the, you know <laughs> proportions of them, so it's fine. It's fine. Um so we were we, before we started recording, we were talking about how um the time period is fuzzy, but it says that they take the time machine to 2037, and it's 30 years in the future, so this takes place in 2007, but it looks like like the Depression, or like, and then in the future, it's like Disney, it's like 50s futurism, right? With like the cars and stuff, like the Jetsons right. almost. Like, so if, if, if we assume... And it's not clear, but if we assume that that was supposed to be present day, 2007, Uh when the movie came out and it goes 30 years into the future, I do not understand how we just automatically assume how much everything is going to be so (laughs) shiningly different. It's wild. I know, but it's like back to the future. You know, it's not. Yeah, that's that's always depressing. We do still have what, like, how many more years until fifteen, sixteen more years? Who knows what'll happen in sixteen years? Not that though. We could be mind controlling dinosaurs. You don't know. No, I'm 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 pretty sure it won't be that. And for me, where you really get this is in the architecture, right? Yeah, we go from having buildings mm-hmm. to having. Jetson-style pods. Yeah. pods and round things. Yeah. And, and Canada is a part of the United States. Oh, so. also that. North that Montana. North Montana. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we're flip-flopping around, but I also want to talk about the character styling again, because it looked like, to me, everybody had black eyes, but especially Goob. Uh-huh. He looked like he had a shiner, but like they all kind of did. But they yeah. all kind of did. Yeah, his like just was more sh- pronounced. <laughs> like, 
And and if I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, if I'm thinking about how I would draw that, like represent it and stuff, I could see how they got to that point. Like they were trying to like represent the like the texture. Shadows yeah. The yeah, but no, eye. too much. Too much. No. Everybody's got a black eye. Everybody's got a black eye. It's you know they were trying for realistic mm-hmm. humans. Well, there were points trying. they should have stopped. Yeah. Right, right. Like the hair the hair bothered me mostly on the mom character. I can't think of her name. The no. mom that is also the wife. <laughs> the mom wife character. Um well, like I feel like they could have just it, they could have accomplished the exact same thing with just like a solid mass of hair. They didn't need to try to like make it individual strands and when they did is when it started to look weird. Well and again I think that probably has to do less with an attempt to make that happen as more of a I draw with a pen and a piece of paper and cells and now I have been given this computer thing to draw on and I'm supposed to do what with Mm -hmm. it? And and like I feel like they really the animators really let that feeling bleed through with the hats. Man, it was so. <laughs> Here is our technology. Uh-huh. This is what we have been given to work with. This is your inevitable future. Yeah. Because look yeah. at this shit. This, <laughs> look at what we had. Now we have this shit. <laughs> yeah. I feel. I felt bad for the animators. It got better for them. It did. It did get mm-hmm. better for them, but it took a while for it to get better. Right. <laughs> so, the singing frogs. I just. I would like to say that, despite the fact that they had absolutely no relevance to the story in any way whatsoever except for to tie it back to that's who mom girlfriend is <laughs> i was still very amused by the singing frogs <laughs> like i do feel when did flushed away come out it reminds me of uh what's the wb frog he has a name you know hello my darling hello my boy Flushed Away was 2006. Yeah. And, oh, I knew he had a name, something like this. The WB Frog is Michigan J Frog. That's what it reminds me of. Michigan J Frog, yeah. <laughs> it, it was great, though. I quite I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. It was a like, nice little interlude. Yeah, it, it was a nice <laughs> little musical number right in the yeah. middle of, of all of the craziness that this film was. Yeah. So. Um, I had to pull up a family tree because I was really confused about the um, relations here. Yeah. So, in case you were wondering, 
in Future World. Fritz, who is the character with the puppet wife, yes, is the father of the two red-headed adults. And okay. he is Bud, the guy who wears the shirts backwards. Uh-huh. It's his brother. I see it. I okay. See it. And then they have one other brother, Joe, and he's the one sitting in the recliner, the overweight fella. And he is married to Billy, who is the aunt. I think she's like the mechanic in the blue. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's where that happens. And then, oh, I lost it. Give me a sec. And then um, Bud and Lucille, so uh, Lewis's adopted parents, um, have Lewis. He's their only child. But then Franny, Lewis's wife, her brothers are the pizza delivering guy, superhero, and then the obsessed with the cannon guy. Those are her brothers. Okay. 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 Because I was like, where are all these people coming from? Now you know. (laughs) They come from Bud and Franny. That's that's where they come from. Yeah. And then Spike and Dimitri, the two guys in the pots, nobody Nobody knows who who they belong to. (laughs) They're just creepy. It's fine. (laughs) Every family's got one. Or in this case, two. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. Should we talk about the cast? Yeah, I mean, I I thought Tom Selleck. I really like that callback because they say he looks like Tom Selleck. Looks like Tom Selleck. And then they use the picture of Tom Selleck. And then yeah, and and then he is so well drawn there. (laughs) That that was my favorite part. Comparatively speaking to all of the rest of them, Tom Selleck in his full mustachioed glory was just so well drawn. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Fucking yeah. amazing. And And if I I wish I could remember if I was surprised the first time I watched it that Tom Selleck actually voices that character. <laughs> but I can't but I love that. Like I love that. I know. Part. I know. <laughs> And then we were talking about in um, whatever movie we did recently. Oh, uh, Treasure, Treasure Planet. Planet. We were talking yeah, about Lori Metcalf. And she plays the mom. And she's the mom in Toy Story. And she's the mom here, too. She's a mom. Being called to do the mom voice. Yeah, apparently. Lori Metcalf. She's the Disney mom. <laughs> she is the Disney mom. So... Wonder was was it Roseanne ABC? Yes. So I feel like oh maybe that's like it was just easy for him to like call up right, that cast and be like hey we need right. you for like twelve lines <laughs> right that's that's what I'm feeling here yeah she's basically the guy in the hallway that is what I am <laughs> I, I I was trying to think of a nicer way to say that. <laughs> Then she's the mom in the hallway, but Laurie Metcalf is the mom in the hallway. It's yeah. great. She's good at it, though. Yeah, she does a great job. She, she always like nails it. them. I, I always. think her as a voice actor, she does the job. Uh-huh. I, I, I did like that. The line, 
I'm just not sure how well thought this how well this plan was thought through. Yeah. From both the frog and the dinosaur. Yes. I love the dinosaur. The dinosaur was great. The mind control control dinosaur. That one was quite enjoyable. And so here's my question. I felt like they were maybe reusing some of the stuff that had been done for Dinosaur, which came out in 2001. Like, they have historical precedent for animation and cells and so now so I don't necessarily think they were using animation from Dinosaur it looks to me more like that other dinosaur movie Um, gosh why can't I think of it the one with the dinosaur who's like a boy but then he has a boy who's like his dog pet oh shit I know which one you're talking about um the good dinosaur. The so, good dinosaur. Because, like, dinosaur... But that's later, isn't it? Let me check, though. But I will say that dinosaur is more photorealistic animation than this. Well, that's true. Um, And that was, like, the whole point of it. And then the good dinosaur was 2015, so they may have reused some of this animation this for that movie. This dinosaur for that Because the, okay. the T-Rex in this looks more like the T-Rexes in that. Then I would say, I've never actually seen Dinosaur, but from my understanding of it, it's a little bit more um, photorealistic looking animation. Well, they only did it the one time. Like, they, 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 that, that movie was animated at a place called the Secret Lab, which, like, Disney deserves its nefarious reputation (laughs) sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So... I, I will say we really should talk about this dinosaur movie sometime because I think there's a lot that went on. There, I mean, if it was developed in, like, the secret lab. Beyond that, when um, Animal Kingdom has a ride for that movie. Like, and it's not just like a, it's not like a, oh, ha, ha, ride. No, it's like, it's a ride with a deep story for that movie. So then we'll add it. It's, it's definitely not a forgotten mm-hmm. classic. Because it, do- it I think list. it's a forgotten classic because I think you could not find a person who's actually seen that movie. Yeah, we may as well cover it in this <laughs> sequence because that's exactly correct. Have you seen it? No. Do you remember it? I don't remember it. I don't remember it at all. But I did. There's definitely there's stuff there because it was developed at the Secret Lab. There is a whole ride for it. They shut the Secret Lab down after the after Dinosaur, by the way. Even though, like, and I know Disney standards are Disney standards, but it did pretty well. Now again, that was Eisner, so yeah, we we'll definitely have to talk about that movie. But I think I think we'll add that one in. Okay, so the only thing. The, the only issue, I mean, really, the major issue that I want to quibble with here is if if Wilbur left the garage door open and let in goo and broke the world, mm-hmm. why did they let him take the time machine and go back to the future? 
Uh, I... I don't know. I don't know. That feels like bad parenting to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. They don't seem like they're real. Uh, they're not, definitely not helicopter parents. That's for sure. Well, you cannot fail when somebody is hovering over your shoulder telling you you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And you certainly can't try again if somebody keeps telling you you're mm-hmm. doing I, I I mean, this is very much a culture of this family, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Okay. Um, when they when they show the what would happen with everybody mind controlled by the hats, mm-hmm. and they're like attacking the um, time machine, it reminds me a lot of the video game Bioshock. Will you back them out? <laughs> I'm curious. Let's see. Because again, and also slightly scary. Yeah. I would say for kids. Um, Bioshock was... came out. Oh gosh, it's just showing me the series now in the first game. Oh. 2007. Yep. So this is clearly something that we were thinking about very heavily at this time. You know, I feel like The Matrix came out in 98, 99. And and maybe when it I don't know we we've been wrestling with these questions for a while but we're we're not we're not any happier with the answers I don't think so do we want to talk about the time travel of this movie at all I mean we could but. <laughs> Because, again, I suspended disbelief fairly yeah. early on, so I'm not really... I'll go ahead, it. I'll go ahead and I'll join you in that, because it's it's a, a rat's nest if you get into it. If, if, we, if you really, if you wanted to talk about the timey-wiminess of it all, I don't... There's time loop implications here that mm-hmm. none of this can be... Unless it happens exactly this way. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely multiple timelines stuff. Right. And <laughs> then we get into the multiverse. And and I just don't want to. I don't think I don't think we need to go there. I'll give Disney film. a chance. I'll give Disney a chance to figure that out with Doctor Strange, because I'm not getting into it. <laughs> Normally, and, and normally it takes some, like, good, good long-form fiction for, for <laughs> me to work those out. So, yeah. no. It's, yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's, we'll let it be. It. We'll leave. We'll, <laughs> let we'll, it go. We'll drop that one. <laughs> so. Um, this is yet another movie with a really weird soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, Rob Thomas. Okay. <laughs> Sure. Sure. Okay. One song. Yeah. And the Rufus Wayne, right? Right. And then the All American Rejects. 
and really? the Jonas Brothers. Those are all, that's what's on the soundtrack. The All-American Rejects do The Future Has Arrived. That's a credit song. I think that was an end credit song. I the Jonas Brothers did Kids of the Future for it. I, I don't know. They Might Be Giants did There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. I don't think I heard that in this movie, so it must have just been on the soundtrack. Because I would have no, They sing, no. they play There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow in this movie. So I feel like I saw that, the, the, I feel like I saw the words for that in the captioning at one point in time. Oh, maybe you can't hear it very well. Well, no, maybe just that they did like a musical interlude. But why... I, I feel deprived of They Might Be Giants if all we're getting from them is a musical interlude and not, you know, words well, of some... Uh, the thing is, hilarity. it's a great... There's a great big beautiful tomorrow is like... is like one of the big Disney fandom things. It's very, very important to the Disney parks. Um, it's the song from the Carousel of Progress. It's like, it's important. Oh, please, let me, I'm <laughs> sure I can find it on Spotify. I mean, I could sing it for you. I think we pass. <laughs> I've heard your singing. I know, it's terrible. You don't want to, nobody wants to voluntarily hear it. It's sad. I, like, I listen to, like, a second of it just now and it sounds like if they played it it was during like a chaotic um many people playing instruments moment okay there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day (laughs) it was the intro oh okay when they to future. Oh, then I totally messed up. I'm just used to like a. I don't know. I didn't do it. <laughs> didn't no. It shows you how well no I paid attention. But, but oh, it was yeah. just the music part. It was just the musical okay. intro, intro okay. as they flew okay. into the ma- into the future in past the building. Yeah. Okay. But we sure got an extended amount of Little Wonders by Rob Thomas. (laughs) Man. Man. (laughs) This one. Oh, gosh, I have to tell you this. Uh, In the Wikipedia snippet about this, the Little Wonders song. Uh-huh. So I'm going to start reading this paragraph and you're going to say, oh, that's kind of sweet. And then I'm going to get to the end and you're going to be like, wait a second. All right, you ready? Go for it. Rob Thomas revealed in April 27th via his Facebook page that the song Little Wonders was written about him and his wife's, him and his wife Maricel's first dog, Tyler. <laughs> Did you think they were going to say first kid? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the song that we give top billing to it's about a dog yeah apparently I, 
according to Rob Thomas via Facebook. <laughs> so, this movie was supposed to have a sequel. It got canceled before the film even got made. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, I, I'm surprised, was it, it, it must have been meant to be, like, a direct-to-video sequel, because they weren't making sequels at that point. Like, that no. was, like, a very, like, we don't no. make sequels, No, right? but we, we did make our TVs, right-to-video stuff, that, <laughs> but when, so, some of this has to do with Lasseter, and when he took over the studio, because... Pixar didn't make our TVs. There was very much a... And Pixar and Disney argued, is my understanding, about Toy Story 2. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be surprised. I I would have to actually... Because, like, I'm swimming in Disney history now, and I'd have to go and actually search it out to be sure. But I believe the argument was that Disney wanted to make Toy Story 2 RTV, and Pixar said, over our dead bodies, mm-hmm. we're either doing this the right way yeah. or not at all. Mm-hmm. So when Lasseter took over, that, I think, became more of the operating procedure we're going to do this the right way, or we're not going to do it at all. Okay. And I, this one definitely didn't deserve one. I mean, it it, it made some money. By mm-hmm. Disney standards, though, it's a wash, because the budget was 150 mil, and the box office was only 169. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it did not make enough money to be worth anything for anyone at any point in time. And it's also not this movie's fault. Like, I'm... I'm, I can't blame the movie. It's not its fault. It's not the movie's fault. It's not... And it's not the team's fault, either, because... They, there were so few of them. And this, notably, so this movie was directed by Steven Anderson, and I want to say that's a distinct anomaly in Disney animation. Almost all of their films are directed by teams. Okay. Of at least two. Because it's a fucking animated movie. They take a long time. They mm-hmm. need more people than just the one guy calling the shots. And I think teams... Look, that's always a tough one. But teams, a, a, a well-functioning one, makes things better. Right. The ability to bounce ideas off of someone... Someone to say, hey, no, I don't know. Are you sure we should do that? Yeah. I don't know if we should do that. I, I I certainly know this podcast would not exist if either one of us had tried to do it alone. 
Right. It would not still exist. Teams are vital to the process. And there was no team here. It was Stephen Anderson running the show in an office with no team. And it shows. Uh It shows. All right. So, is there anything else? I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else here. I'm a little creeped out by the uncle whose wife is a puppet. Um, yeah, that felt weird and unnecessary, and I'd like to pass it off as just a detail from the book, but I... I would be really uncomfortable around this family. Why? <laughs> I mean, 2030, social mores have apparently gone entirely out of the window, and (laughs) we're just, wow, we're being ourselves, and that's great, and I do, like, bless Disney, they do at least try and honor that one, consistently over and over. Be yourself. It's fine. But these people should... These people are a lot. These people are a lot. (laughs) They make me uncomfortable. And tired. And I come from a family of a lotness. These people, in many ways, I, I can't even really lie here, are going to be my family in 40 years. And this is what it'll be like. And it'll be but still, that it's a lot. <laughs> so I tried to see like what kind of merchandise they released when this movie came out, and from what I can find, there was um, <laughs> a remote control Doris, which is the hat, Pez dispensers, <laughs> and a couple of stuffies, and that's about it. <laughs> I do like the remote control hat, though. That's that's a good one. So, this one was released in 3D in addition to original 2D. But there was not, like... Okay, so, the movie it lost to on opening weekend, this is, puts things into perspective for you, was Blades of Glory. (laughs) And I can tell how much Disney cares about something based on their lead up to the release of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there were not a lot of promotional deals with this one. There, if there were Happy Meal toys, there were... I'm sure there were. They do seem to like just always do that no matter what like, they're putting into the movie but but if we don't go past a happy meal toy right like the, mm-hmm. it, it's the coke sponsorship really if there is not a disney coke partnership for mm-hmm. the release of the movie in some way then we don't really care about it that much we care about it enough to get it to, to to get it into McDonald's, but not enough to get it out into Coke products. Like, 
I feel like that's 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 a terrible metric, but also mm-hmm. probably pretty accurate. <laughs> so then, looking into their presence in the parks, they're they're they don't show up ever. But um, when they did back when the movie was relevant, um, it was Lewis Wilbur and the man in the bowler cap, um, and they were all costume characters, not face characters. There is was a video game available, which is one, and. That is, for Disney, kind of a also token effort. They did Mm -hmm. not, because they develop at this stage, even in 2007, were almost always simultaneously developing the video game at the same time Mm -hmm. as they were doing movie production. So when they canceled the sequel, they probably canceled any future video game productions as well. Yeah. And 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 I am I'm seeing here in references lots of lots of notes about how John Lasseter is reimagining the Magic Kingdom and it just kind of is unfortunate for this film cuz this one wasn't included. Which is funny because it would fit perfectly into Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. but yeah. And actually that's where the Carousel of Progress is, which is where there's a great big beautiful tomorrow comes from. So, token effort, mm-hmm. basically, is what Definitely. Alright. Well, there probably were Halloween costumes. I'm sure. 2007. Yeah. I don't think anybody wore them, though. (laughs) I mean, it came out in March, so there probably were, but again, token effort. Yeah. So, wear it, don't wear it. There were masks, probably, and if they still survive, it might be a collector's item at this point in time. Um, so, five liked it, four noped out, ten I don't know what they got for maybe half the <laughs> My kid loved it. He'd probably watch it again if I put it on today. Well, probably since he watched it the last two times you put it on. Even when he <laughs> said he didn't want to watch it, right. he watched it again. And he looks a little bit like Lewis without glasses. Maybe he sees himself in the movie. Perhaps. Lewis has, you know, we did this one here in the run of unfortunate boy role models. And it's sad that they all did so poorly because it's hard to get them now from Mm -hmm. Disney. And this one is good for, I suspect, a lot of boys who do not have the best relationship with their parents. Uh-huh. Really, that's a lot of them. Even when it's good, it's not always... Even when it's good, you still don't always belong. Uh-huh. And this is a story about 
getting to choose and being able to decide and to keep moving forward. And that is important. They almost got it. They almost got it. <laughs> okay. We gotta score it, though. I've completely lost grasp of what my scoring scale is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. It's a, it's a solid three for me. Okay. It, it it's good enough to watch again, I guess. <laughs> like my metric. It remains always, can I watch this one multiple times if my children decide that this is the movie they're going to be fixated on? Okay. That has always been my personal scoring metric, is how many times can I watch this movie before I hate it? Okay. Okay. And that's why... I think why, that's fair. That, that's why Happy it's such a low rate because initially I, I I do actually think I enjoyed that movie, <laughs> but I certainly didn't over time. The more you watch it, the worse it gets. Mm-hmm. This one may well be that way, but but at least because I'm told right at the beginning, don't don't care too much about it. <laughs> just just enjoy the pretty pictures, Prior. Mm-hmm. That that that. That gets it a three. I don't know. That's that's Great. what I got. All right, y'all. Well, what are we doing next? We haven't decided. We've got it on a calendar, but we've not actually picked the film. So stay tuned. <laughs> I guess it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. Um, and you can. Find us. Did you know people are starting to like our Facebook page? What? It's, I know. We're like <laughs> up into the 30s or 40s. Who now. are you? I, I don't know, but I'm going to have to start posting there or something because <laughs> people just keep randomly showing up and liking the Facebook page right now. Then, I guess. Which is at Latchkey Movies on Facebook and on Instagram. We don't really post there anymore either, I don't think. But no. one of these days, we'll get Maybe. it scheduled out. And we'll make some effort. I, 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 yeah. But if you would like to, as enthusiastically as we do, support us, you can call us. That's 402-885-4875. Or you can email us. We do actually like email. That's latchkeymovies at gmail.com. Or you can buy us tacos. That's happened a couple of times. ko-fi.com slash briar. We'll see you all next time. Bye.